Nicole. And this is Sultana, aka Queen. And you are listening to Makeup, Breakups, and Martinis. Cheers, you guys. Cheers. (laughs) And um, as you know, we always start every episode with a mixer question. Yeah, so actually, um, we kind of want to talk about T.I. and his daughters. So his daughter... I think she's the eldest one, but he went to her GYN appointment and he wanted to check on her hymen to make sure that she was still a virgin. Do you guys remember that? Yeah. Was that this year or was that the end? Of, it had to be last year because 2020 has been like a wash. It's, so yes, yeah, it had blur. to have been like last <laughs> year. I mean, year. It, last year and this year definitely runs together. So yeah. Yeah. Look, I don't know what year we <laughs> in or yeah. But um, I do remember that. That, I, that was like a controversy podcast that he was aired on saying that he went to his daughter's appointment to check on her hymen to make sure that she was a virgin. And people really had a lot their own say. opinions. Yeah. About, yeah. And I know that like he's gone on a variety of different shows even I think his own podcast he he talked about it and he was like listen like he even went on the red table talk yeah yeah and he talked about it and he kind of expressed his feelings about it and he's like listen you guys aren't in my home I never meant to hurt her and you don't understand like how I'm raising my daughter um you know it, it's a it hit a little bit different for me because I am Haitian American and a lot of I think Haitian parents but I think island parents they do that kind of stuff. So it wasn't foreign. Wait, did your dad do that? No, no. My dad was very, my dad was very lax. My mom was, she was strict, but she wouldn't go that far. But I do know people like in my church who have had their parents go to their appointments to check and ask their doctors. Okay. Um, so it wasn't, it wasn't something that I've never heard of, but it was different to hear someone who is that big to say that that, that, that they did that. So it hit a little bit differently for me because it's like I, I've been raised Haitian and there are some people, there are some parents that really will go to that extent of making sure that you are a virgin. Is it right? No. <laughs> I understand that. Like I had a few friends and I feel like, I mean, I don't know if that's where their parents went to the extent of, um, but those friends that I know of, because their parents were so like in their business and uptight and just wanted to make sure that they weren't sexually active. My friend was always the rebellion one. That's typically what you would see. So what happens is when a person or when parents try to control their children so much and like, honestly, like they don't teach them about sex. They just try to block them from everything or, um, tell them that sex is bad. And so they never really learn from their parents. They, they try to seek it out on their own and then they go the complete opposite way. Like, um, a child who never really gets that understanding of sexuality and understand that that's a natural thing may rebel and just, so I have a question. What about the parents that are very like openly expressive, like about their experience and to their with their child? Like, is would you say that's a good resort? I don't know because I've never had that. <laughs> I was so sheltered, and I was I never. My mom, my parents never talked about sex, and um, you have to learn from friends and TV, and you have to piece it together. So it's like I would have appreciated a parent who would have said something like something like. <laughs> 
just some kind of advice or direction. So I don't know. I, I, I honestly like I would have wanted a parent that was more open. Um, but what, what do you think? Uh, all right. So my parents weren't open. I think we just grew up in a generation where you just didn't talk about sex mm-hmm. and um, maybe you prayed for the best. I don't know how <laughs> it was supposed to work out. But honestly, I I do see, I, I feel like I learned the worst way, honestly. Mm. Like I wasn't taught the difference between, you know, sex and love and, and what a guy might think of you when he wants to pursue you. So, um like when you're a young girl you could just say like oh he loves me or you can mistaken like someone's lust for love and it could go all wrong and just mess up you in your adult ways so I, I really do think that if you have a conversation a lot of kids they learn through well at least I can't say a lot I mean I know my sister did I know my daughter does they learn through listening and from others' mistakes. Like, mm-hmm. you can tell them, like, hey, I have to appear, and they'll learn through your mistakes. Where me, I'm the opposite. <laughs> and that's why I want to be the first line of defense to, like, teach my child that this is what sex is about. Because, you know, your friends can easily be like, no, this is this is what you need to do. Or And so if you don't get that from your parents, you can easily be influenced by TV. and Right. Well, I think that's where I was. So, like, I was probably one of the last people that were very intimate in high school and but I felt the I felt it very like heavily influenced on me because it was like everybody was sexually active except for me so like they all had this experience but all right so when it came to my turn and I had the experience a lot of people don't know this but women re but there's like a high percentage of women who don't um, catch like an orgasm until like you're in your 20s or late 20s or not late 20s, maybe mid 20s. So it's like, you know, your first experience, if you're a male or female, it's never going to be the greatest. Like it's just <laughs> it it is what it is. But really, like if you're you're doing it with anyone just to say that you did it and you're not even like getting an experience or out of it it's there's no point to it and and that's i think that's one thing too that we're never taught like women we're supposed to enjoy sex or it's supposed to be pleasurable you're supposed to have an orgasm i think sometimes women go into an experience expecting it like this is for the the enjoyment of the man so i don't i don't necessarily have to have an orgasm is that what you're kind of saying like you didn't know that you were supposed to enjoy sex as well because i feel like some women so there there's that point but then there is a point of just doing it just to be a part of the crowd Mm, the peer pressure right i did not (laughs) I didn't know I I was so naive because I mean none of my friends talked about sex and I didn't know they were having sex in high school I and I was so sheltered I couldn't go anywhere I I mean I would go out but like I didn't know I really didn't know it wasn't until like my senior year and one of the girls that was in the same class as us she was pregnant and I'm like wow like it was just shocking like oh my god you're pregnant um but i didn't know everybody was having sex but at the same time i was at church like a every single day and 
um, I didn't really, I, I don't think I was part of the in crowd to know like who was doing what, um, but no one ever felt, gave me that pressure. So when you say you felt pressured, like, was there something that someone said or were people like just expressing their experiences? And so you were like, dang, I want to be a part of. All right. So I honestly didn't feel pressured where anybody was pressuring me, mm-hmm. but it, it, it gets to a point where you hear everybody's experience and you're like okay i'm late or something because i don't i i don't have an opinion on this and i don't um yeah Yeah, i never i never my friends never talked about that around me maybe it's because they knew i was i don't know i don't know but i i didn't know i had no clue until later on i don't know I don't know. I don't know if they all were having sex. I know more than I expected were, but um, it was never something that we really talked about. I think we were kind of, but I, I do understand, like, if everyone's talking about this, you're like, what? Okay, let me try it. So I'm like, I don't know, like, when I do have kids, how I would bring that conversation up because I never had that experience to, you know, like, you know, nothing to base it off of. Like, how do you introduce it? Like, is it like a birthday maybe that you decide like, okay, this is going to be the sex talk or, I mean, and another thing too is kids are learning so much younger. Sorry, I was going to say that, that like, it's totally different from when we were kids to if we, like, if you have a kid and how they grow up, it's way different. They're learning 10 times faster and you really don't even know when to have that talk because you're like oh this is appropriate age and then you start talking they're like oh i already know about this and you're like wait what um but no i i do feel like you should be open with your child to an extent i think that you know like there's boundaries for everything i think being open and honest and having that communication is key and i think that we talk about that with all relationships Mm -hmm. um and that builds like a healthy relationship with your child like you can say straightforward your experience how you felt if you were peer pressured or not if you were in love or not Mm -hmm. and they can take it in and they can have their own experience and you can just say like this is what i wish for you and just i don't know pray for the best or i'm not you know that's my own opinion but i'm not saying that's what people should know that that sounds perfect because at the same time, like I was saying earlier, like you learn from what your parents have done. So being transparent with them and saying, I was human. I am human. I'm not just a parent. I've gone through what you've gone through. This is what I've experienced. I think that holds so much weight to say, wow, my mother trusts me with this. And um, she's transparent. Because a lot, I would say with like my upbringing, and not all Haitian parents are this, it's just like these are the rules. This is the law. Follow it, or or else. And you never. Oh yeah, like you got to get out. And you're like, but weren't you ever human? Like, didn't you ever experience things? Like, how did I get here? <laughs> you know, how did Deborah Cox? Oh, yeah. <laughs> So you just never get that. Hu- I never got that human experience of like, well, how did you navigate some of these feelings, emotions, relationships? What did you do? And so that transparency would hold so much weight to say, listen, I've been where you are and, and this is what I want for you because I know like I know what this road can lead. And this, you know, and, and I think that would make a huge difference. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, like I said, 
my parents didn't have a talk with me. It was me just learning from my own experience and I could have done a lot better <laughs> if I had a talk. But I think that's what, you know, like we're all here for. Like, so we are here to educate anyone who comes behind us. So we're going through the waves and the emotions and the experience. And it's like, it's for generations for us to like, hey, don't follow in my mistake i'm gonna teach you and they always say that like if you want to learn talk to people who are older than you and just get their opinion because they've already been through it so but anyways so like let's fast forward so ti goes to this his doctor or his daughter's doctor's appointment to check on her hymen to make sure that she's a virgin and guess what she is pregnant so was it worth it she's pregnant now Yes. I just, uh, you know, I don't watch this. Stuff. What? <laughs> okay. Well, newsflash to anyone in, in Tana, <laughs> or maybe it's just Tana. Newsflash to Tana. <laughs> what? She's let, pregnant. Let everybody know this Hold is on. August 9th. So. <laughs> what? I'm so shocked. I'm so sorry. <laughs> yeah, she is pregnant. Oh my gosh. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I think, this is only, I think this is only breaking news to you, honestly, but who knows? Anybody else? Are you serious? <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> wait, wait, who? <laughs> who the daddy? <laughs> I don't know. Are you serious? Yeah. Oh <laughs> that was the whole reason why I wanted to bring it up. Yes. Oh so she is pregnant. So did that really, like, that's what I'm saying. Like, I've had friends who... Their parents were so just, what do you call it? Like, is it called like, yeah, is it called airplane? Airplane parents. parents, Yeah, Yeah. where they're just so overprotective. And I mean, it it doesn't, it doesn't work. It doesn't work. And you know what? You know, the people I know, it doesn't work. So, you know what the problem is? I think the problem is. You don't give, you, you don't trust your child. I think that's where children feel hurt because it's like, why don't you trust me? Why do you feel like you have to go to this extent? Like you're, you're going way, you're uh, going over the borderline. I'm trying to find the best way to say it. And so, I mean, T.I.'s daughter probably felt that way. Like you don't trust me. And um, that lack of trust, it's like, it's like maybe I should just do what you think I'm doing since you think I'm doing it anyways. Oh, that's, that's a good point. I feel like that's what cheaters say. Like if you keep accusing me of cheating, I'm just gonna go and cheat anyway. So, and, and that's really what it is. It's like it, it's it's almost like a self actualization where you keep saying I'm this person, you keep saying I'm this way, and you almost prophesy it (laughs) like i'm not this way but if you keep saying it for so long heck i might as well be you know because that's what you're you're speaking over me that's what you're saying i am and so then you turn into that person or you just kind of lash out because you're like i don't know what else to do if i'm already being judged like this then i might as well just be that so i think it, it it does play a role like that trust factor is so important. So he he was old school. I know that's like an old school type of way. Like, let me check her hymen. A lot of Caribbean people are like, let me check because I can't believe what they say. But if you give your children a level of trust and if you trust the way that you raise them, then you would 
you shouldn't have a problem. You shouldn't have a problem sending your children into the world if you know that you did a good job. But I'm not a parent, so I don't know. Yeah, y'all let us know if that's how it is. Like, how do you manage it? How do you build that um, relationship with your children? Because they could say one thing, and 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 I think the biggest thing with me is why if if that all right, we can move on after I say this. But if that's a big problem, an issue with him, and he wants it checked, then why don't he have the mom go with her and check or something like? I really can't have a GYN appointment and have my dad there. <laughs> like, I don't, that's the big problem with me. Well, I think he did clarify it in a couple of interviews. He was like, I never said that my wife wasn't there and I didn't say I was in the room. Um, and then he, he clarified a few things. I think, because I, I know that what probably happened was he was at the appointment. He was probably outside the door. And then when the doctor came out, he had a conversation with the doctor. Like, so what happened? Would you, what would you see? I don't think he was in the room. Um, and he, you know, I think he said she, he, she was there. Um, so like the, the narrative, it sounded like he was in there, like <laughs> next to the doctor looking like it's still, it's still too intrusive. Right, and I'm, I'm so sorry. Cause I know that we're late on this topic, no. but it was just cause his daughter is pregnant. So we had to bring it up. But, um, didn't he say that like if his he like he's not gonna ever check up on his son right i'm telling you ti must be haitian or something (laughs) (laughs) he's gotta be from some island not all there's a double i think it's it's a it's a double standard across the board yes but definitely within the island culture the daughters are definitely way more (laughs) monitored and the sons can kind of do what they want um but yeah it's it's definitely a double standard and that sounds pretty accurate and i i don't know if he said this i know i've heard this before it's like well the daughter is gonna bring home a child the son can have a child but he's not gonna be the one that brings it home and that's like an old school kind of mentality of like well the daughter is the one that's gonna hold more weight if if there's a baby on the way versus a son who honestly can kind of like decide how much of a role he's going to play in his child's life which is sad but true sometimes some fathers are like well i'll be a financial support but being there i could pick which which weekends i could pick the holidays but i don't have to bring this child home and a daughter is the one that has to be responsible so it can go into that i'm so sorry i'm getting tana all these crazy eyes mean looks <laughs> like she's talking I'm just, she, I'm, I'm just uh, don't shoot the messenger i don't <laughs> i don't subscribe to this <laughs> we can we, we can definitely move forward but if there's any teen moms out there you you grow up so much faster than you're supposed to you work 10 times harder and you are a great woman and you know a child is supposed to be 50 50 it's two people making the child it's two people supposed to be supporting a child throughout the oh, whole well, thing that, yeah so, that's the way it's supposed to be it's supposed that's to be no i get it it's i get the old school factor where i get it i totally get it but 
that's that's not really no it's not supposed to be that way it definitely is not supposed to be that way and i just want to give credit to women who are single moms who are teen moms whatever any kind of mom yeah it's not i'm telling you listen who are dealing with those old school factors (laughs) i'm not i am not saying i subscribe to that at all because it's not okay it is not okay for a a woman and a man to make a child and then the guy to be like, all right, you got this. Who wants to live his life? And yeah. that's like he doesn't have a child. He doesn't and have then a child. the woman it's has to put okay. her life aside and that's her priority. And I get that. That's, you know, that's, you made a child. That's what happens in life. I get that. But it's like the woman is holding she's a sacrifice lamb exactly she is the one that can't just say all right um i'm out you right right a guy can definitely have more flexibility but there is case all right we're getting to no no no, go ahead go ahead go ahead but no there are cases where some guys have to take main responsibilities so this is not yeah this is generally um and then women they live their lives so I don't want to just set it off to like just one gender specific. So right, I mean we're making a general statement, but it's not always the case. Sometimes women can't step up to the responsibility of being a mother, and a father has to do it, and it's vice versa, where he's got to put his life on hold. He has to be fully responsible, and she's like, "I'll check in when I can or want to, or you know, whatever." So I mean, it it. It's it's not always equal. I just think sometimes society and societal norms gives the woman way more responsibility than the man. And so that's why they hover over the woman a little bit more. Because it's like, if you have a child, then it's, it's, it's your child. Yeah, Versus sure. if a man has a child, he can have this child, another child. And it's never, he, he never has to necessarily bring that child home it's just a well i have a baby out in the world and i you know i can be as responsible or as as casual as i want which is not fair not it's not okay i'm not saying it's okay (laughs) no for sure all right so this is probably breaking news to you as well (laughs) (laughs) i don't watch tv okay (laughs) um and she doesn't follow the shade room so um yeah all right so there was a i i guess just some random person who wanted to comment and was like wow so you you guys are okay with making a baby but not teaching her how to be a wife because or not like making it okay to be a wife first or it was something like that Mm -hmm. um because i think she put out a statement where she is okay not to be married who who's okay I don't the daughter I'm sorry. Oh the daughter okay yes, so the daughter of TI Yes she's like she doesn't want to be married she just wants yeah, to Yeah she's okay where the space that they're at now where they're having a baby and that and she doesn't need to be married she's okay where she's at right now and, I mean, I think that's a newer generation thing. It's like, listen, I'm, me and my baby are going to be okay. Like Beyonce said, me and my baby, we're going to be all right. We got support. Um, I, is she still with the guy? I don't know. Oh, that I don't know. Okay. 
Um, I don't think she, I don't know, because I, I just found out. I don't know, <laughs> you know, this is an expected thing, or if she was planning to get pregnant. I think she's probably just making a statement that's saying, I'm okay either way. Like, I don't have to... I don't have to commit to you. I'm going to commit to being the best mother to my child. I, I, I don't think she's trying to make a statement to say, like, this is how it, like, this is how all women should be. I just think for her personally, she's okay whether he's there or not. And I think that's... Yeah, I, I feel the same. Like, some people, they find out that you're pregnant and it's like, well, we'll just get married. So... It's kind of like, well, you don't have to just have a baby to get married. You, like, you really should want to be with that person long term. And <laughs> Tana's making a drink. I don't know if anybody can hear in the background. <laughs> but, like, it shouldn't be, a marriage shouldn't be forced. So, if she decides to wait, I think that's a great thing. And they should wait. Well, yeah. Or not get married. Because well, divorce is... Take it from me, it's crazy expensive. <laughs> well, marriage is a different type of commitment. So co-parenting is one level of commitment, but marriage is like, are we great partners? Are we great people to be together forever? And I don't think you should do that because of a child. Yeah, it shouldn't be forced. It and it shouldn't be, be like society norms. Like, well, this is what society says. You sh- you get married, have a baby, have a baby, get married, whatever. Just do whatever you feel and that what makes you happy. If you feel like there's a long-term goal with this person and you guys are in love, get married. If not, then You know how many, and I've never really experienced this person. Well, of course, you know, I've not experienced this personally. But, like, there are a lot of people who get married for the kids or they stay together for the kids. Okay. And they're miserable. And the kids know it. And they grow up and they're like, Man, y'all should have just separated. Like, you didn't have to stay for me. And so that's something that I think is... is Right. Is I, it ideal? I, no. I think a, I think the best situation would be a two-parent household, loving. But if that's not the case, then at least having two involved parents who are okay. Exactly. No, I, I think that both parents want the best for their child. Yes, ideally, I think they were like... I think everybody was like, you know, we would want this a family household. Uh, women are probably like, I don't want to see another woman with my child. And men think the same way. But really, it's just whatever you're happy with. And you just, as long as you can co-parent great together and you're happy, then you're really giving your child, I don't know, I feel like you're giving your child like the best chance a healthy relationship you know like ultimately yes the goal is uh mother and father and and, you know the storytelling disney movies or books (laughs) or whatever that you've seen in your own classroom or whatever but it doesn't always happen like that as long as you can try to make the best out of the situation and child knows that hey my mom and my dad are both happy then you know they're gonna be happy yeah i i definitely have to follow back up and watch what's going on with this tia story i didn't know i don't know what the whole thing. i'm so i'm so lost i don't follow a lot of stuff i want to know if she's with the guy i think I think honestly it's just like we have to make room for life 
and the plot twist. Exactly. So we did talk a lot about parenting and things like that. And I wanted to get into a topic that is very sensitive and very close to, to me. Oh, this is very hard for me to talk about. And I'm doing my best to get through it. So you guys bear with me. But um, I had an experience when I was 18 where I feel like I was, I know that I was preyed upon. So um, there was a person that I had met um, through, <sighs> I'll try and make this story as short as possible. But um, uh, basically I was going through a situation where I had a car and it was broken down and I wasn't the best driver so uh, I had a lot of cars but um, my daddy was always (laughs) my savior (laughs) Um, and so I had a car that broke down and my dad was you know gonna buy me another one and so we were going through the process of getting me another car this might have been my second car don't ask me how many cars i've had in my lifetime because <laughs> it's embarrassing but this is probably like my second or third car and um we went to this dealership and there was a person there that i guess preyed on me but i was always there with my dad and there was one time um that i went without my dad and i was very vulnerable um again i think haitian daughters but some island daughters go through this where it's like they want to keep you very childlike they want to keep you very um what is it like you it's like you're seen but not heard you know you don't look at adults you don't question adults you don't you you don't speak to adults and i feel like um that was me for a very long time and so this person when i'd gone to this um establishment when I went to the um, dealership by myself he had already had his sights on me and he saw me and um, he approached me and he was like hey how old are you and I'm like that's a weird question to ask someone and it was so crazy because at the time naturally people like to say that they're older than they are and for me I felt like I need to say I'm younger And I just wanted to say I was younger because I felt like maybe this will deter a person from wanting to pursue me because I kind of caught the vibe like, oh, he's interested in me. And this is like an older person. So I was like, I'm I'm," I said I was 16. And he was like, no, you're not. I know your age. I I saw it on your um, paperwork. You're 18. And so, uh, again, that was something that I caught hindsight. But um, a few weeks later, he saw another opportunity to have me by myself. And he um, sexually assaulted me. Uh, You know, it's it's even hard to just even say, like, what happened. Um, But... um, That was an experience that was very traumatic and um, it led to a lot of hardships going forward in my life because, you know, that was my first experience with sex. And um, I I just think I think I I look back and I'm like, there were so many things that I um, could have done differently or just like if my mom and my parents were to kind of like build that confidence in me, I wouldn't have been so vulnerable to a person like that. Well, all right. My first question is, 
have you ever did you ever tell your parents about this because i i know that you're saying like you wish that they built this confidence with with you so you had it in you so your predator couldn't see that you're so vulnerable but did they ever give you where you felt comfortable enough to tell your parents what happened so no i never i never never my parents um my dad passed last year and um there was a point that i will i wanted to tell him because my dad was a more lax parent he was more understanding but it was still not a comfortable conversation to have with him and secondly i know my dad would have probably done Mm -hmm. so I was gonna say he would have pulled a machete and (laughs) murdered him. But I mean, like, I think that's interesting to me. Like, you bring up you you wish that your parents had brought up like confidence in you, so your predator can see that. But uh, you know, to me, it's that's such a big thing that happens to your life. Like, who do you go to if you don't go to your parents? Like, who? I would feel like you have to go to somebody. Well, and that was, a, um, yeah, that was a big thing because, again, I didn't feel comfortable to go to my dad because I really did feel like he would have hurt somebody. And but Which is a-okay. Honestly. I'm not going to, I wasn't, I honest, I know my dad would have done, he would have done something. And I just, I, I didn't, I was so. Protective? protective but passive i just was like man i'm just gonna bear all this pain and i don't want it to be on anyone else um when it came to my mom because she had already been so uh, i i guess unempathetic and um she talked so negatively to me it was like i don't feel comfortable confiding in her because i don't think that she would have my back in this you think she would have blamed you she would have blamed me and and there were instances where i had been blamed for things and again i'm not trying to paint my mom to be a bad person because she's not that was how she was brought up you know you if if something happens at school you believe the teacher (laughs) you know you believe the teacher over the child if 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 someone if another parent says you are bad then you are bad and that's it and so i i had had experiences where she didn't believe me she believed the other person over me and there were less extreme experiences it's just like this person said you did something so then you did and 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 i know like me being um uh the type of person that i was i i i I tried to work overtime to try and prove to her like i'm not a bad kid i'm not who you think i am for some i've never done anything you know to to say that but um i learned later on it's it's her trauma it was her trauma that she was passing down to her kids which is a whole different story you know the way she was raised she was really just kind of passing that trauma down to a different generation so i didn't feel comfortable to tell her i didn't feel comfortable to go to her um which led to me going to a wrong the wrong person so um well all right before you get into that um we're gonna caveat back to that um and i want to get into statistics as well but 
you said something that kind of navigated me back. So, and it's kind of like where your mom would have blamed you. So I, I think when I hear, I mean, thankfully, I've never been raped. Um, I'm really, I can't even imagine anybody who's gone through that experience, what it could be like. I really can't. Um, but not just that fact. It's just that if you're putting yourself out there and you're being vulnerable to somebody, how many women are actually victimized or scolded by the person that they told, like not being sympathetic of what they're going through. Um, but just like, well, what were you wearing? Where were you? And not really like just hearing your story. Right. And Dave Chappelle had a, it was like, a, it was a joke in his special. I think it was like Sticks and Stones. And he was like, well, I'm a victim blamer. You know, if a victim tells me that something happened to them, I ask like, what were they wearing? Well, you know, and it was like, I kind of got the joke, but then it was offensive. It was like, (laughs) but it makes sense because a lot of people do that. That's a natural reaction because you're trying to figure out, well, how did, how, how were you targeted? Was it something that you did? Was it something that you wore? And, um, it's like people try to make sense of it and, I don't know why I was targeted. You know what I mean? I can't make sense of why someone targeted me. And that was hard for me because it was like, I don't know what I did to make this person look at me. And that's why I feel like he prayed on me because he saw vulnerabilities in me that I didn't know that I had for him to say. He probably saw something like you wouldn't have said anything to anybody. You would have kept it as long as you can. I think that a lot of... um, there's a lot of stories that I read and where it's people who have been raped and they hold it inside for so long because they don't want to go through the whole, they don't want to, number one, recap the experience. They don't want to be judged or ask questions like, where were you? What were you doing there? What were you wearing? And act like they did something wrong. You said a lot there. <laughs> you, girl, <laughs> you said a lot. Um, uh, so I, again, I've had a lot of years to uh, kind of work a lot of this trauma out. And it's something that you're always going to live with. So it's not like you ever get over it. Um, one of the biggest things that you said was predators know that you won't say anything. And that's something that like over time it was like I looked back and I was like um I don't know if I I don't know if I'll ever write a book about this but but um it was like I I don't want you don't want to be a good victim and I think I was the perfect victim he knew I was so passive I was the type of person that wouldn't look you in the eye I wouldn't talk to you directly I think sometimes I still have those insecurities of like speaking up and being direct and really like voicing my opinion and things like that but like he knew that I was that passive person that was like oh she's a good girl she 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 oh she's not gonna tell anybody like I can get away with this easy because she's so afraid of 
adults she's so afraid of um being offensive she's so afraid of checking me and so i think that's so important for like parents to to teach their children don't be a good victim teach your children not to be a good victim speak up if something is off if something is weird or something if you don't feel comfortable say something because predators a lot of predators are afraid of that if someone's like you're not supposed to do that where are we going what are we doing you know like they they're they're afraid that will chase off a lot of predators because they don't want a victim who is going to blow up their spot basically you know they don't want someone who they know is going to be vocal or probably fight back and he knew that I wouldn't do that so I just that was one of the things that I learned like I was a perfect victim because of my upbringing because of the respect factor you're a child you stay in a child's place you're submissive so don't don't talk back and so I think he saw those things in me and that's what made me more vulnerable than other people um, so that was very, very impactful. That was, yeah. Um, but also trying to convince other people. And me already being a passive person, how how believable am I? And then trying to explain over and over. And that's I think that's just the the problem with society and culture right now. It's just like people aren't, I mean, they just don't believe it. There's always this... Well, prove it to me. And I don't know if this is the best analogy. I've probably said it before. I, I don't know if it's the best analogy, but it's like, let's say that you were robbed at gunpoint and someone came up to you like, give me your purse. And you say, okay, here's my purse. And then you call the police after and they ask, well, what happened? Someone took my purse. They can say, okay, well, she had a purse before. She doesn't have it anymore. But rape is like, Hey, I'm calling the police. I was a victim of an abuse. Well, what signs, what, what, how do you prove that? What, what, how do I prove that you were not consensual in this sexual encounter? How do I, especially if you weren't, you know, beaten up? Cause that's not, that's not always the case. And for me, cause I'm, I was so afraid to fight back. You know, it was easy for him to to do that. So um, if you don't have visible scars, how do you prove that someone took something from you? Someone violated you, you know, so you're like someone took something from me. Someone violated me. But how do I prove that? And then you go into, I guess, defense mode of, OK, well, or, or, or like the questioning is, well, what did what did you do? what was your role in this and then you're like wait a minute this is <laughs> like I, I you know and so it just deters people from wanting to even report those crimes because all of a sudden it's on you like well what what role did you play whereas the person that did that the predator gets away and it's easier for him because what can you prove essentially what can you prove how do you prove that someone violated you in a way that's not physically visible so yeah i mean i uh, like i said i've only seen like through movies or television shows or you know but it's where it's kind of like you're going through this trauma and you don't want to fight off because 
you don't want to die maybe your body just goes into like this mode where it's just relaxed and you're just taking it um and it's just to get it over with and praying that you're alive at the end but yeah i mean you can go to the police and there's no physical scars because really like your body just played this defense role as to like you know I'm in a relaxed mode. I'm not in a defense mode. Well, I won't say <laughs> that was not the case. <laughs> I was not relaxed. <laughs> you know no, I'm saying, like, I know, I know. No, I, I, you get in a car accident. And you, you that's a, yeah, yeah. You, you, you like goes. relax. Yeah. I won't say it wasn't. I know what you're trying to say. For me, it wasn't a relaxed mode. I know. And this was one of the moments that was really hard for me because it's like something that I remember and I used to play all over in my head all the time but thankfully therapy has shut down those um replays in in my mind and people who have gone through trauma know about the replays where it just plays over and over again but um i just remember like i was hysterically crying and begging him to stop and um he didn't and um i think you dissociate like you kind of like try to mentally go somewhere else um but I didn't stop crying. I, I just, I didn't fight back. But, you know, I was still hysterical. Like, it was still a level of fight. I don't think, um, and, and some people do actually just numb out. And they're like, you know what, I'm going to wait for it to get over, get over with. Um, I think with rape, it's so different. There's so many levels, you know, because sometimes you're, like, this person that, uh, that, did this to me I didn't know but a lot of people are attacked by people that they do know or they're attacked by someone that they went on a date with and then it's like okay well I thought this was a good person um and I didn't expect this to happen or it 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 just can happen in so many different ways where you're violated I mean I think more recently like they've acknowledged like rape within marriages which is something that was never a thing your spouse can violate you if you don't want sex and that was never acknowledged my concern is what are the penalties for those actions because it's very hard to prove it and get justice for it but um yeah it, it, there's just so many different variations of a violation um but yeah I, I um yeah i mean i i see what you're saying like you you like just like okay and wait for it to get over with yeah like you dissociate and you just go like all right i gotta i gotta survive and and get out of this a lot but i mean like i said i've only some tv shows or some movies and it's not like it's real life but where if that's you know if that's what they do and they won't have like those physical marks on them so if they went to a police it would really probably seem hard to justify what happened it turns into your word versus theirs Mm -hmm. and i mean it's so easy for them to be like it was consensual or whatnot so um i'm gonna read some statistics and then you tell me if you have any opinions on or what do you think so it says ages 12 to 34 our highest risk of years for rapes and sexual assault. Those ages 65 and older are 92% less likely 12 to 24 years old to be victim of rape or sexual assault and 83% less likely 
than 25 through 49 years old. Wait, so some of that is kind of overlapping. You said 25 to 49, but then the first one was um, ages, was it 12 to 34? The first one was 12 to 24, that's most likely? It's the percentage rate. So those ages 65 and older are 90% less likely than 12 to 24-year-olds victims and 83% less likely than 25 to 49-year-old well, I will say, because I used to work with older adults and I was very involved, that was like my one of uh, undergrad minor, like um, geriatric studies. I think older adults don't necessarily report abuse because they have a lot of abuse, whether it's financial, oh, sexual, yeah. they don't report it. So we, I don't think those are accurate numbers. I think um, older adults are definitely vulnerable to um, predators. I, I don't know if they're as vulnerable. I don't know if, uh, so it might be pretty close. I just think that there probably are unreported studies. Um, but I do feel like, yeah, 12 to, you said 24. Mm-hmm. Those are formative years. Those are years where, you know, a young woman or a young man is really trying to figure out who they are, build their confidence. And so a, a person, a predator, um, can definitely take advantage of someone who is more, man, you know, easily ma- manipulated. So definitely, once you hit your 30s, <laughs> you know a little bit. You know, once you hit your 30s and 40s. 49. 49-year-old. 83% less likely than a 25 through 49-year-old. What's the age range? 25 through 49. Okay, yeah, see? So uh, those are some real ages where you're starting to, like, know who you are and and, and build that confidence. It's not to say that it's not possible. Um, you can be attacked anywhere. It, it's possible. But I think if it's, like, someone that you know or, you know, things of that nature, it... it that's where a predator can. So, all right, there's another one. It says young women are especially at risk. So 82% of all juvenile victims are female. 90% adult rape victims are female. Females ages 16 through 19 are four times more likely than general population to be victims of rape. Attempted rape or sexually assaulted. Women ages from 18 through 24 are college students are three times more likely than women in general to experience sexual violence. Females of the same ages are not enrolled in college are four times more likely. You know, I think I I go back to that. For me, it's like, don't be a good victim because people can see just from body language. They can read are you guarded or or just they can see that from a distance um i've always wanted to take self-defense classes i think that's so important like for women to take self-defense classes to learn how to defend themselves because predators can definitely spot out someone who is defenseless and the best thing is for them to underestimate you 
and then you <laughs> then you prove them wrong like oh oh you <laughs> you thought you had me and then you know so that's so important for women to really learn how to defend themselves um because predators can spot out victims so this is my last stats um it says 79 percent of survivors who are victimized by a family member close friends or acquaintances experience professional emotional issues including moderate to severe distress or increased problems at work or school so they're victimized by a family member close friend or acquaintances experience when you brought that up did you know your victim not victim predator no i didn't it was um um you know it was about a car i was trying to get a new car because i'd crashed um an old car and i was at the dealership and so this was a mechanic that worked at the dealership and he spotted me and that was literally the interaction um because he had my information he called me and he was like, I can help you with finding another car. And that's where it was like, okay, I'll go. And I'm, I mean, I, I do I blame myself, but a lot of victims do. We blame ourselves for um, the decisions that we made because he made me very uncomfortable the first time when he was like, I, 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 I spotted you. Um, but I think we just, as victims, sometimes you don't, you don't expect it to go that um you don't expect things to go that far you don't expect someone to hurt you or whatever um but the the short answer of that is no i didn't know him personally but yeah so but um that's that's not very common for it to be someone that you don't know a lot of stories and i've heard this on from a lot of people it's someone that you trust and that's where it's it's so hard because you trust the person already and they know that you trust them and they take advantage of that trust or that bond or whatever and then they violate it um i was watching something about the priest it was a movie i think it was called spotlight when they outed the catholic church about the priest and um they talked about that a lot, how the priests would target low-income kids who didn't have family, they didn't have their dads around, so they would find their victims who they knew, who were who they going to tell? Right. I'm the person that they trust. I'm the priest. And so they, they would build that trust and then violate it. And that's what happens a lot of times where someone would know Oh, this is the perfect victim. And so I think that's, if I were to write a book, it's like, don't be the perfect victim. That's literally my message. Like, be aware of people who. So what is a non-perfect victim look like? A non-perfect victim is someone who is aware of their surroundings, who is aware of a person that's trying to take advantage of, of them. So it's like, I don't care if you my uncle, cousin, brother, I don't care who you are. You asking me to do something that I'm not comfortable with is not okay. And I'm going to tell. <laughs> I'm going to talk. I'm going to fight. If you're not comfortable with it, if someone's pushing you past the limit that you're not okay with, 
you fight, you, you say something that's not a good victim. And that's good. You don't want to be a victim. You know, I think this is just going back to the core. Our intuition tells us when you're not okay. And a lot of times we try to fight past it and we try to justify it and rationalize it when you're like, I don't feel okay. I don't feel comfortable, but I ain't going to say nothing. Yeah. I'm going to stay here. I'm, I'm going to try and play it cool. And that was me. Like, I'm, I'm not comfortable. I want to go, but I'm not going to say anything. And your predator knows that. And sometimes it's not okay to alarm your predator because that can excite this situation. That can make it worse. But finding a way to get out of it and walk away from it safely. But if your body, spirit, if your mind is like run, then you run. So that is a definition of a not good victim. And that's perfect. But there's different levels of abuse. So sometimes it is a person who, it could be a stranger. So let's say that you are in a situation, you're walking to your car and someone approaches you. I think for that kind of situation, it's having those self-defense skills. Because, you know, this person is out for attack. Having that preparedness of, I can defend myself, even though you didn't think I, (laughs) you you weren't expecting me, you know. That is also another level of I'm not a good victim. So definitely, I think, um, you know, we should all be aware of our surroundings. And I think that we should all like be prepared. So women definitely like carry mace or whatever you need to to feel safe um, because you never know what situation you can be in. Uh, so what kind of like trauma has this, has this brought to you? Because, you know, I've known you for years and <laughs> she a- actually just sprung this on me, <laughs> this story on me not that long ago. And and um, <laughs> but it's not only her. It was also there was another best friend I went to high school with and she did, too. And I would have never known either one of these two young women have gone through anything so i know you you don't know your victim my other good friend um i'm not gonna say her name but it was a family member of hers so um you know and i know you have to have a good face i know this is always this is a very traumatic experience i'm sure you guys hit like certain trauma areas in certain situations um, but I just want to know, like, from your perspective, what has that looked like? Yeah, it, it's it's kind of like a running joke between us because I did spring it up on us. We were like just <laughs> we walking. Were yeah, we were running, and um, you know, it's it's so hard to tell people, especially like with me. I had told someone, and it was the wrong person, and I had been traumatized by that. But um, I had gotten to a place where I actually wanted to um, face my attacker. So I was like, I want to face him. And I had no clue what I was going to say. But I just built the level of like strength where I was like, I want to face him. And I, I was so proud of my achievement, like, or my just willingness to do that, that I was like, after our run, I was like, I was like, so I had been attacked, and I wanted to face uh, my attacker, and she's like, what? Wait, let's go back to the, let's go back to the beginning. You're like, let's let's start this from the top. Um, but it was just like we had gotten to a level of of trust that I was like, I know I can tell Nicole this, and I just want her to know, like, I, um. The trauma takes, it takes so much of a toll on you. Like, 
Um, but I had already come from a self-esteem deficit, not getting that from my parents. And then having this happen, it was almost like another level of like, all right, I am unworthy. And, um, you know, I, I definitely, you know, even with my dad not knowing what happened to me, I would give him so much credit on him being that anchor to build that level of self-esteem because he always was just like, you're my golden daughter. Like, and so I always wanted to be better for him and, and put on a good front for him. And so I think that really safeguarded me from um, self-destruction because I didn't, I wanted to be better for him, even though there were so many things that were like tearing me down. My dad was a self safeguard of like, but you're, you're my, you're my queen. You're my golden daughter show out. And I was like, okay, you know? Um, so I did, I did do some therapy. Um, I, I, I would like to credit therapy for all of my healing, but it, I, I wasn't in therapy for long. Um, I had gone for a couple of sessions and, um, and I, I will say that therapy did help me with like, um, I always refer to it as like a tape recorder because when you go through trauma, you play it over and over and over. And I, I literally would have dreams about it and I would literally think about it and I'd, I would, you know, talk to myself and say, why did you do this? Why did you, why didn't you do this? It was just like, you just blame yourself or you play it over on how you could have done something differently and therapy the, the the sessions that I did have they helped me to stop playing that tape over of this could have gone differently it stopped that it was like this is how it went and you need to deal with it and you need to put it to bed so you and I watched a show and it um I may destroy you. Mm-hmm. And so the main actress, and I believe it's her brother, they both are, I'm sorry if I'm, spoiler alert <laughs> for anybody who hasn't watched it, but both of them are, um, vic- yeah, both of them are attacked. And you see them replaying um, their experience when somebody comes too close to them at certain episodes. So that that has been my experience um and i can't say that has i can't say that that has stopped i mean it's it's not as bad as it used to be but it's very accurate to to what actually happens so after someone attacks you yeah if you try and go into another sexual encounter you flash back it's a trigger Um, and it can be a consensual encounter, but there could be a touch or a move or something that will trigger you back, um, to that trauma because sex is now equated to that experience. So yeah, it was, it was very accurate, um, on how you can just naturally go back to what happened to you. And, um, I think a lot of victims try to move past it because they don't know how to deal, especially if you're not willing to like go and try and talk to a police officer or whatever, which that is even hard. But like, if you're not willing to do that, 
it's like you just have to try and live past it but your your body still knows your body still recognizes that you've experienced this and so your mind will play it back to you like hey oh you you try to forget and you can't because it's it, it is traumatic and that's really what trauma is it's like it it's it sticks with you i don't know if you ever watched dexter but and i haven't sorry guys i haven't watched the like i started it i haven't watched it the whole however many seasons there are but dexter starts dating a um a woman in season one and she is a victim and um she can't have sex with him because she always has those flashback moments and so uh, how does that affect you in your relationships i i know we talked about this before you said that she couldn't have sex with him she couldn't she couldn't and it works out great for him because he's he's trying to be normal like he (laughs) wait what do you mean by normal what do you mean by normal because um i haven't watched it and it's been like out for a hundred and so you're not spoiling anything what do you mean normal? he's like a scientist right He's not a scientist. Am I thinking about the? He's like a a, a serial killer, but he tries. Oh, not to be. Kind of like the um the guy from the show you Y O U the Netflix show. Is he like the dude from you who's a a killer? No. Uh, In a way, like all right. So if someone assaulted a child he will go and murder that person because they insult they assaulted a child so it's kind of like he's murdering people for the the better the greater good, good. Yeah. oh i like him well, I'm not. so he's trying to like he doesn't really get the emotion aspect and so he really i don't know i haven't watched a lot of episodes so people are probably like well he gets into i don't know maybe sexually he does but in the beginning he he doesn't really care for sex so their relationship works out perfect yeah she's traumatized and he's like i don't care (laughs) which goes into another topic of like you attract you know who you are you know i always talk about being commitment phobic it plays into my commitment phobia i think all of it all of it has played into it the lack of self-esteem and all of that but that definitely played into my uh, you know fear of relationships and commitment because you are afraid of all of those things and you're afraid to um share that with someone but now i'm sharing it on the podcast so (laughs) if they listen to this episode they'll know um but yeah you're afraid of being vulnerable again to because you don't want to be a victim and that's like that's that's traumatic it's not uncommon for people to develop coping mechanisms and so some people their coping mechanism it's being guarded in a relationship so it does affect you um the willingness to acknowledge how it affects you is is important it's it's some people aren't able to acknowledge it and say this has affected me but yeah it does affect you in some way i know with me i've always been guarded all right so i do want to go back to you said that you had spoken to someone after it happened and now i just want to get into like what happened (laughs) 
what do you mean spoken to like the therapist or no the person that you told what happened because you couldn't tell your family so the person or people that you did tell like um so i couldn't i didn't feel comfortable telling my my dad because i knew he would murder somebody Uh, i won't say murder but i i knew that i he he probably would have gotten justice or whatever um, and I couldn't tell my mom because she would have probably blamed me. So I went to a friend. I went to a friend that was from high school. And um, she wasn't a close friend. But um, I I told her because her mom is a detect- was a detective. I said, is. That's crazy. Because it's like I'm living in that moment. Like, her mom is a detective. So, that, you know, anyways, that was the mindset. It was like, her mom was a detective. So that is who... I, I didn't want to call the police. I didn't know what to do. I didn't know if I should go to the hospital. Should I drive to the police station? Because, you know, when you call the police 911, it's like an emergency is happening at that moment. Well, it had been a couple of days, and I'm like, probably a week or so. And I'm like, I don't know who to call. So I told her because I'm like, well, maybe her mom can help direct me. And how? what do I do? So I told her what happened and her response was, well, tell me, you know, she was like, tell me what happened to you. And I'll tell you if I'll tell, you know, like if you have a case, I guess, or I'll, I'll let you know if I, you could talk to my mom. So um, this happened through text and I was explaining to her what happened. And um, what I will not forget is after explaining to her what happened to me, she was like, Oh, I don't think you have a case because you got in his car. You went to his house. Why did you do this? Why did? And um, she's like, I don't, I don't think you have a case. And I, and after that, it was just like, man, she's right. I was so devastated because she was telling me I had done so many things wrong that I, I it was my fault. And uh, again, me being as naive as I was, I did get in his car because you don't who thinks that, you know, you you naturally for me being as naive as I was. It's like you don't feel like someone's going to harm you because you're a good person. Why would someone want to hurt you? You haven't done anything to, to them. So and I'm assuming it was daylight and. Maybe people think that stuff just happens at nighttime. I don't know. Um, well, so he picked me up right before it got dark. And so it was still daylight when he picked me up. But it was like, yeah. wouldn't dealerships be closing at this time? And that was something that I thought. I'm like, why pick me up this late if we're going to go look for cars? But I could have just called my daddy, you know. But I was just like, hey, this person's saying they can help me. So I'm going to trust him. And the crazy thing is when he picked me up, he picked me up at my mom's house because I live with my mom. So I I was like, hey, come say hi to my mom. You know, he talked to my mom. My mom knew who I was going with. She She was like all right be back come home so it was just like i think i'm okay because this person can be identified by my mom wow he had some balls (laughs) like Uh, yeah from my mama's house like it sets hi to my mom and everything like he knew yeah yeah so um i was like hey mom this is who i'm going with so again you think you're okay you think you naturally don't think that someone's gonna harm you you think that this is we're going out to do this and this is what's gonna happen and you don't expect it to go left 
but you have to i think i think you ha- i think it's so important to instill that in children you have to instill that level of if it does go left what do you do or you just shouldn't be out with someone that you don't really know and you shouldn't trust people because everyone doesn't have the natural inclination to be a good person and i didn't i didn't know that so again i i again i'm like i see where i probably was making bad decisions but i i did because you just don't expect it and it comes left field and a predator can naturally see a person who is very passive and easily manipulated and that's what happened so yeah that's the long and short of it (laughs) yeah i don't want you to take fault at anything honestly but just all right so you told your friend and she didn't think that you had a case and you didn't tell anybody else or um so how does how does that go like because i just feel like if you're a victim you just in your head you're like i have a case i know what happened i'm a victim this person shouldn't do this to anybody else they need to be locked up so what transpires after you and either that friend or you and your friendship period like going towards other friendships past this person so you're you you said it in a way where it's like that's the way it should have been like i have a case and this shouldn't happen to anyone else those weren't the thoughts that i had once she told me i didn't have a case i believed her again being as broken as i already was her telling me you don't i just went with that i don't have a case and I did think about other victims, but I'm like, who's going to believe me? You know, who's going to listen to me? And I didn't have a voice. I didn't, I wasn't, I didn't feel like anyone would believe me or listen to me. You know, that was something, again, I already was at a deficit having a mom who was like, you're already a bad person. And I wasn't, but how am I going to go to her and tell her this happened to me? Is she going to believe me? So that's where it was. Did your mom know to this day? Nope. All right. I don't know if she ever will. Maybe if she listens to this podcast. Um, no. Does anybody close to you? I mean, besides myself. No. Like family members know what happened? Nope. And they're going to listen to this podcast and be surprised. <laughs> I No, I, I, I never told any anyone. Um <sighs> It, you know, it's just like, I think as a victim, you have to, you have to get the healing from a professional. You have to get to a good standing ground before you talk to people who can make it worse, whether it's intentional or not. If you talk to your sister or cousin a lot of people who haven't been through it won't know what to say and it can re-traumatize you. They won't know what to do. Some people don't have the empathy or the emotional capacity to handle that kind of information and it can hurt you worse. 
you know, you can tell someone something like that. And because they don't know what to say, they'll be like, all right, girls, you know, like just brush past it. And that can traumatize you worse. So it is so important for you to get to an emotional place, which I know I am. Um, Because I'm not crying right now. I'm close, but I haven't cried. But to get to an emotional place of healing, forgiveness, getting that professional help where someone can really walk you through the emotions and the trauma that you're experiencing um, so that you're not re-traumatized. Because people, people can hurt you unintentionally and some people can hurt you intentionally. And you don't want to go even lower after that trauma because again me telling my the friend that I had and her telling me I didn't have a case and there were a lot of other things after that like she that she did wrong you know she started telling other people about it um and she was the only person that I told again like you know like I just said I hadn't told anybody I didn't tell anybody in my family so going through that experience of telling having people come to me to tell me you know something that I didn't share with them and telling me from her perspective not anything that I said like all of that plays into the trauma so you're like shut down no I'm not talking to anybody else so it it, it takes getting to a place of you being healed um understanding and forgiving everything shutting down all of the um replays of what you could have done what should have done no it happened and how do you move past it? Then you can tell people. Then you can talk about it. Because other people's opinions can't re-traumatize you. Now you've already healed to a place where they probably don't understand. So whatever they say, you don't understand what I went through. So you're not gonna you're not gonna affect my healing because I'm already healed. You know what I mean? Um, so yeah, it's so important to tell the right people and professionals <laughs> you know the if you have a good friend that you know can handle that then yeah tell your friend if you know you need to go to a police officer and you know like you're gonna seek justice and you're down for it and telling that story then do that but trying to re-traumatize yourself by telling the wrong people who don't know how to deal with it yeah you don't do it just don't so yeah I, um i haven't told anybody but I knew I knew why because I just couldn't I had to shut down and figure it out for me and um and regroup and so yeah yeah I feel like I mean I can understand why like you know you're at a vulnerable state you you want to tell somebody you know like just us as humans like we need to know like what path we need to go towards healing especially like if we don't have a clear thought in our mind like hey I'm gonna vent to someone who i think is a friend or family member whatever and then just see if they can help direct me and when it goes wrong then yeah it's it it really could go all the way left i mean i honestly i i don't even to this day know like the best way when you told me i was so caught (laughs) off guard but i mean like i remember you telling me that you wanted to confront him and um to me it was just i was just trying to be like let me let her vent let me listen to her and whatever i feel like that she needed to express or 
whatever gaps I needed to fill in, I was going to try to fill in the best way that I could. But I definitely knew that to tell you that you were not going to ever go and face him by yourself. Like that was a clear statement (laughs) for me that day. (laughs) Yeah. So we had built a relationship where it's like, you know what? Whatever Nicole says, I'm going to listen to because I value your opinion and I value your input so much. So I was like, you know what? I know I can trust Nicole and whatever she says to me is is real deal. And yeah, you're I was like, I'm going to confront him. And you're like, you're by yourself. I was like, yeah, I was by myself. Um, And you're like, OK, first of all, you're never going to do that again. And um, yeah, I just I, I don't I don't know what I was thinking of you know, when I was doing that. Um, so Nicole was like, listen, if you try to do that again, <laughs> we go in together, you know? And that was so, um, yeah, like that was like, that was deep. That was dope. Like I, I got you. Don't do it again by yourself. Um, you need support. And I think, um, all right. So I'm gonna Say this last stats, I promise. And then I'm going to ask you two questions. So um, 33% of women who are raped uh, contemplate suicide. Um, 13% of women who are raped attempt suicide. And you know what? I feel like I, I get that. It's it's probably your upbringing. You don't have anybody to talk to. You're self-blaming yourself. It's it's very hard. So I want to ask you about, uh, I guess, number one, what advice that you give for anybody who was kind of like you, who went through this situation and who's hiding? They don't feel like they have their family to talk to. Maybe this happened from a family member and they really don't have a their parents to talk to. It could have been an aunt, an uncle, whoever. Um, and I also want to ask you about the Me Too movement because that's huge now. It's We actually feel like we're finally having a voice because we're victims or other women have been victims and they're being victimized. And so now it's like it's a, it's a big deal to speak up against our predators and whoever. So I want to get your opinion on both of those. Um, what I will say about victims and not having the support, it's like, I want you to understand that your value and your worth is not dependent on who loves you. It's you. You're valuable no matter who or what has happened to you, whether it's your mother, your father, you're valuable it doesn't freaking matter you are breathing for a reason you were brought here for a reason so (laughs) so understand your value and your worth and (laughs) it's not determined by outside factors it's determined by you you determine your your value so you gotta you gotta level up you gotta see your value no matter what has happened to you you gotta see your value you gotta understand your value and your worth and that has to drive everything that has to drive your life 
that has to drive your actions because it can't be determined by anybody. If you're here and you're breathing, you have a purpose, you have a story, you have a reason. So that, it doesn't matter if you have support or not. You have to keep going. You got to push past it. (laughs) We're having a cry fest. (laughs) Yeah. And the Me Too movement, it's so important because women do... It's, it's a male-dominated world. And so it's so important that women speak up and say, hey, we're here. <laughs> hey, this is wrong. You know? We're not going to accept it. We're not going to accept it. It's not okay. It's not okay. Um, I don't agree with everything with the movement. It's a sensitive topic. It's a sensitive topic. It's so sensitive. But... I will say I I am happy that women are speaking up and saying it's not okay because that's never happened. And and we're getting to a place of saying these are our rights and men shouldn't treat us this way. So it's a beautiful movement. Yeah, I mean, so I think from an outsider looking to all these women speaking out is unity. And it's you're not alone. If you experience something like this, all these women are coming out and they've hidden it for so many years and it's like you know you might think like you're the only one who's experienced it or you don't know anyone that you can relate to and it's just there's so many women every day that have been victimized in the workplace just by family members or what's oh but you're not alone, and I think that's a beautiful thing. Yeah. I really want to thank Tana because her and I have spoken about, like, us bringing this to to the conversation. I know it took her time to really, like, want to do this about episode. Two years. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> to want to actually do this episode. I know it takes vulnerability. It takes everything that you have um, to do this. So I really appreciate you. Um, anyone who's going through this experience, don't feel like you're alone. And if you do, please, y- you are allowed to DM us, contact us. We are Makeup Breakups Martinis on Instagram. We have a Facebook page and we'll find out where you're from and we will try to get you the best help that you can. But you're definitely not alone. So we don't want you to feel that way. Um, but thank you guys. This has been like <laughs> very emotional, <laughs> but we're trying to get more vulnerable with you guys every day. So, um, thank you for listening to us. We really appreciate you guys. Um, you can find us on Instagram and Facebook. We are on all major platforms and we love you and cheers guys. <laughs> <laughs>